Well, this morning we are going to be considering another message here and study regarding the mercy of God. And uh, this morning's message is entitled The Marks of God's Mercy. Marks of God's Mercy. I know that um, it's a great joy, uh, and I, it's a great joy to be a grandfather. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm excited for Mark and Carol Robertson. Uh, they've just had their first grandson, Jackson George uh, Frey. And uh, I guess airplanes are all over his little bedroom, flying around already, getting him trained like dad, you know. Um, but uh, one of the things that continues to just be there is... Here's, here's the signs of uh, this little guy, uh, Jackson Frey, uh, being like his mom and dad and having the, the traits that mom and dad have. And that's what it is to be in a family. And that's what it is, my friend, to be in God's family. And so today, I want to ask, do you have the marks of God's mercy upon your life? Most all of us in here say, yes, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord or I trust in Jesus. Whatever it is that you explain it, do you have the marks of being in his family? And that's what we want to consider today. Um, Very basic, like father, like son. And here this morning... I want to turn your attention first to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, all of this, you know, we recognize all of this flows out of the fact of what happened when Christ came the first time. His first advent. And what we tried to establish in the previous weeks was, here's mercy showing up on the scene. God's mercy in the person of Jesus Christ. He showed up. And uh, that mercy is basically a, a matter of showing pity on those who are in desperate need. That's one of the aspects of mercy. And at some point, if you're saying, I'm a Christian, at some point you understood that and you recognized, I am in dire straits and I need I need His mercy. And thus you turn to faith in Christ. And that was God's work. That was God's work upon your life. And that's what we need to keep building on. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, you know, Paul is opening up this letter and he's addressing the the saints at the church at Corinth. And he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. It starts with Him. He's the Father. And in this case, the Father of what? All mercies. Okay? And so, the key is being a living, breathing, model of mercy. 
think with me here that, that, you know, you travel the country and you, you get around to see the country and you recognize, you know what, there's all sorts of monuments out there to our nation's history. You know, even here in Nevada, we have those Nevada signs that, you know, are out there on the highway and uh, point out, here's a, here's a historical site. And most Christians tend to have this problem of being a monument, not a model. And we, we, we need to have a, a monument side that says, here's what happened. And it started with God's mercy. But the living, breathing model side says, here's what is presently going on in my life because of what? God's mercies. Okay, so this is a challenge. This is a challenge that we grow in our faith, not just file away facts and figures. But this is the challenge that we as a people saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Then here's, you know, this issue of trying to encourage ourselves and one another to grow in the faith. So these marks of God's mercy, there are uh, got four of them. But there's probably more that you can add to the list, okay? Now, this is going to be traveling around in the Word of God some, all right? So, are you ready? Let's turn to 1 Peter, because we want to hear from different people about this first mark. This mark of God's mercy is a personal, number one, a personal testimony. A personal testimony. We're going to hear from Peter, and then we'll jump to the Apostle Paul to hear of a little bit of their personal testimony, and so that we would relate to it, and we would connect with this personal testimony about God's mercy. Here again is, is his, his greeting and his opening in this uh, first epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Here it is again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, if you're a Christian, you the more we uh, will soak this in, the more we will consume this, the more we will feast on things like this, the more we can understand, here's what God's already provided for you. It's already there. And you don't have to, you know, uh, climb a ladder and figure out how to jump through this next hoop and that hoop to get it. Because it's, if you're in Christ, it's yours. It's yours because of Christ, not because of your doing. Okay? So, starts with this, a, a personal testimony. And Peter's testimony as such is saying, it's according to, and that little phrase is important that we look at those words and understand that's pointing out a specific basis. In other words, he's saying specifically based on his mercies. Okay, so that's giving us a hint 
that it's not because of what I, um, what I attained and what I uh, earned. Because I didn't. And you didn't either. And he's saying, it's according to his great mercy. This word is, is um, uh, it, it's dealing with many things. That's the idea behind the Greek word. It's abundance. In, in the abundance of his mercy. And sometimes we, we just, we don't uh, connect with that either. We've got to understand it wasn't just, well, um, just in, in one uh, sacrificial event. It, 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 it flows out of that one sacrificial event that Christ accomplished. Everything comes from that. Everything flows from that. His mercies. And that we are born unto a living hope. Now, this is one thing in, in a congregation like ours. You know, it's like the tendency we have is, is add to the facts, add to the file cabinet. And somehow we've got to go, you know, that's an important part. That's an important piece that we add to the file cabinet of our understanding, the knowledge, to grow in knowledge. But how does it affect me? And how does it affect you today and tomorrow? That I've been born again to a living hope. Is that, is that demonstrated in my life? Is that demonstrated in your life? Because if we really stop and consider it, we're saying, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Over and over and over again because of what has been accomplished for us in Christ. So that you wouldn't have to climb the ladder and figure out how to jump through that hoop and that hoop. He's accomplished it for us. And here's this personal testimony that he, Peter's giving. And he's saying, it's, it's according to his great mercy that I've been saved. That I'm born again. Turn over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Just go back a little bit through Hebrews to Titus, then... 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, going back like that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Here's, here's the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's not um, a young guy anymore. He's older now in his years, and he's writing to young Timothy and helping him learn some things about church ministry and church leadership. Okay, So he's writing and giving some instructions to his, his child in the faith, Young Timothy. And look at what he says. He starts with, here's, here's like his purpose now in life. Verse 12, look at it. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. There's his purpose. He's now in, in serving the Lord. And here's his pardon in verse 13. Look at it. He says, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. You know, when I give a testimony, I don't think of it in those terms. Uh, typically, you know, when we hear testimonies, we just say, well, I was, I was a sinner. I, I knew I was a sinner. It's interesting that Paul specifies it. Paul gets detailed. You know what? 
I was a blasphemer. You know, I... Um, and by the way, Paul was a religious guy. Paul was a religious guy. He knew the law. You know, he went to the synagogue. He could have at least said, well, you know, I, I finally came to realize I needed a savior. Well, he, no, he specifically pointed it out. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor against who? Against God. In our society, in our circles, we don't really talk that way. You know, we kind of talk like, well, yeah, I kind of blew it. Shucks. And we're all forgiven, right? Those kind of things that lead us to soften the blow more. What does Paul do? He rips it open. He says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. Do I join in with that kind of honesty? Do you join in with that kind? We say, well, I was a child when I came to faith in Christ. Well, okay, so then at least say you were a rebel. <laughs> you were a rebel as a little child. Because mom and dad will, you know, they'll confirm that. <laughs> but look at what he says. He continues on. Yet, in verse 13, look at it. Verse 13 says, and yet... I was shown mercy. I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant, overflowing with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. He understood his, his condition he understood it and he said, I, I'm the foremost of all sinners. And again, how do we relate to that? And the more we can relate to what Paul is saying, the more I believe we get a, an, an idea of here's God's grace and mercy towards us in Christ. We kind of put it just a simple um, covering over it. And I know I'm, we're not trying to get things complicated, but a lot of times this issue of my previous condition is just kind of slighted and, and just we kind of go over it and say, oh, I was, you know, I was a bad person. I needed Jesus. And I don't want to magnify this to the point of missing out on the true message. What's the true message? His mercy. That we magnify the mercy of God in our lives. Here's our personal testimony. What is your personal testimony? Have you given your personal testimony? And it might be that you say, well, you know, it just, it wasn't much. And see, there's another misnomer for us. Right? Because it was, no matter what your testimony is about faith in Christ, it's something that is wonderful. It's something that is marvelous. It ought to be that way because now you're, you have a, you were once in the kingdom of darkness in, under Satan's realm. And now, because of Christ, you're free. You're pardoned. You have a living hope. You're his child. And those things get so um, garbled up in the, in the world that we live in. And we let them get garbled up. 
we let him. Because of all, you know, all the things going on in my life. And what's the key? You, child of God, if you're a Christian, you going back to time with God and his word and letting the, the, the water of his word wash over your life. Wash away that dirt. Wash away that cruddy stuff that the world offers and that we go after a lot of times. You follow that? And so the more we're spending time in the Word and letting things like this settle into my mind, into my heart, the more I can say, wow, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing forever (laughs) because of God's doing. So, he, in Paul's testimony, he says it two times here about God's amazing mercies. He says it two times. He brings that out. He's emphasizing it. Okay? All right. So, you think about it. What's, what's your personal testimony like? Are you magnifying Christ and His mercy to you? Or is it more about what you did? Or maybe you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a personal testimony. What is that? Well, it's the result of somebody coming to faith in Christ. And so you you stop and you weigh it out. In light of the truth of God, what's your personal testimony like? Is God glorified in it? Is God lifted up? Is God magnified? Is His mercy the, the, the gem that's, that's hanging there for all to see. So, the mark of mercy, of God's mercy in my life, in your life, as with Paul and Peter, is His great mercy, His abundant mercy. Number two, a second mark, is a, a powerful transformation. A powerful transformation. You know, what happens with a child you know, a child is born and he's not just left in the crib. She's not left in the nursery. She grows up. He grows up. And so it is in the family of God that because of mercy, there's, there's going to be transformation happening in your life. Now, to get started, I want to point out in letter A in the outline, initial sightings of this. Initial sightings, if you stop and and pick it up in in the book of Luke. Let's turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7. I'm sorry, you know what? Let's go back to Matthew 18, because I want to mention this one first. Now, this is a a quick survey of of, um, records of this very thing in the Gospels to show us here's initial sightings of this idea of Mercy affecting people. And Jesus highlighted it in this story that he tells Peter. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? My brother sin against me, a fellow believer. Okay? How often do I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not say it to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 7, figuratively speaking, an ongoing amount. It just keeps going. You keep doing it. 
And here's this story. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had, began, when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. Parenthesis, unpayable debt. Unpayable. Into the millions. No way could this guy repay. No way. Okay? Verse 25, but since he did not have the means to repay his Lord, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Well, that should have given a hint. (laughs) What did I just say? No way this could have been repaid. And the Lord, verse 27, the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Okay? Forgave him. Pardoned. There it is. And yet now, the rest of the story, right? The guy goes out, finds somebody else that owes him not that much, something that's very payable, and chokes him, puts him in the chokehold and says, give me it, give me it, give me it. And the point being... Did he learn his lesson? No. He didn't learn. He didn't. Listen. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. Now, carry that. And you can mark that down. Matthew 18. Now, let's jump to Luke chapter 7. I want to go quickly through these references. Um, You can mark down Luke chapter 7, 36 through 39. I'm sorry. 36 through 50, the whole remainder of this chapter. Luke chapter 7. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, there is a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Parenthesis, very, very expensive. Verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, wiping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet, anointing them with the perfume. And then the Pharisee who had invited him saw this and said to himself, oh my goodness, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who touched, who's touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since she, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little 
loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Okay? Now, listen. This referencing in Matthew 18, in Luke 7, Luke picks up with it and just keeps on coming. He gets keeps on coming with more and more examples of this very thing. Who got it in the story? Who got it? The woman got it. She understood. That's what I mean. She understood. Simon, the Pharisee, we're like, I don't know. Did he get it? Well, he answered the question right. But a lot of people can do that. Answering the question is one thing. Now going off and living in a certain way as a result of the mercy shown you is a different thing. I can, you know, take the story of the Good Samaritan. Same thing. It was the, the here's the here's the Levite that passed by. Here's the, the the Pharisee that passed by. Here's the Samaritan that passed by, and the rich young ruler. When Jesus asked him who was showing mercy, the guy didn't even say the Samaritan. He didn't want to say his name. He didn't want to refer to him. That's not a good thing. We're separated from the Samaritans, right? Interesting little feature there. But he still acknowledged that it was the last guy that showed mercy. See, Luke, I'm telling you, if you go through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see this time and time again. Why? Because Luke is emphasizing Christ as the Son of Man who understands our suffering. He understands our suffering. He knows And so here's these examples that Luke gives. Certain people, they got it. I mentioned it last week. Remember the the referencing to the, the two guys, the publican and the Pharisee, at the temple praying? You know, remember that that very example, the Pharisee praying about himself. And the scripture saying he prayed to himself. (laughs) Ha ha. We got trouble here. And then the other one who stood from afar, beating his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me. Now, with that in mind, all too often, Christians today are like, they're they're not like the guy beating his breast. Have mercy on me, O God. We've been infiltrated, my friend, with teaching that kind of pumps up self, pumps up you and me as the stars, After all, that's why Christ came. He died for me, right? That's wrong emphasis. The emphasis of my life or your life as a believer must be Jesus, period. It's about Jesus. That's that's a whole, you know, study of here's the Bible. Remember what we said about the Bible? It's, it's my hymn book about him. So this is the initial sightings. Um, Luke 19 talks about Zacchaeus. What did he do? Zacchaeus got it. How did I know that? Because he went and did what? He went and repaid that which he had taken. He got it. The, the, the ten lepers that were cleansed. 
leprosy is terrible. And Jesus speaks the word and, and, and they're cleansed. They're, they're, they're cleansed. And the one comes back and Jesus basically says, where's the other nine? The one got it. He understood. Now, letter B on the back of your outline. This is regarding a powerful transformation. We just did that quick survey in the Gospels to show initial sightings of this very thing. Now, letter B is the instructional settings. Now, you jump to the epistles, and what are the epistles telling us? The letters to the churches and the letters to Christians are giving us specifics about now. Well, let's, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul has already laid down the foundation of the, the theology of why we need God's righteousness. And he comes, here's chapter 12, and he turns around and he says, Therefore, brethren, I urge you by what? The mercies of God. I urge you by the mercies of God that you do what? You present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice to God. Here's the connection. Are you building your life on his mercies? Is that what's being structured and and, and formed in your life? See, it's it's something that God is going to do for his children. But how do we respond? How are we responding? Do I see myself as a living and holy sacrifice to God? And remember, the idea of a sacrifice was you put it up on the altar and you, you cut it and you let it bleed and it's dead. It's a dead sacrifice. But here in the New Testament, he said, no, 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 no. Be a living sacrifice. And it's all based on his, what? His mercy. Due to his mercies. Okay? So, First mark is a personal testimony. Secondly, a powerful transformation. And a powerful transformation speaks of this one thing. The difference that Jesus Christ in His mercy is making, has made and is making in my life. Now, number three. We could go on a lot about the transformation aspect. But we're going to press on here. Do you have a personal testimony? Is there a transformation going on in your life based on His mercies? Number three is a perpetual theme. It relates to a powerful transformation, but now it becomes a, an ongoing, a perpetual theme in my life. And here's the catch to it. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 in there says, Count it all joy, brethren and sistren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the what? The testing of your faith produces endurance. So, with that verse as our springboard into this third mark, a perpetual theme. And very quickly and very simply, in the letter A, in the balmy times, in the balmy times, 
when things are going nice and smooth and you're skating around through life and just saying, wow, isn't God good? And things are going well. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. And I think for the first, you know, 40 years of my life, you know, it was pretty balmy and skating along in life and smooth sailing. But letter B is, does this perpetual theme go through the bleak times or the, the difficult times? Is that true when things don't go your way? Do you still have the theme of this song going on? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord only in good times forever. Nope. What is it? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And see, the bad times, they're there for a reason. Not just because we live in a fallen world. Yes, we live in a fallen world. But they're there for you, believer, to develop what? Endurance. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials or difficulties. Knowing that the testing of your faith. See, that's what God's about. He's, he's wanting your faith to be tested. Young people. Young people. If you're saying you're a believer, recognize the tough times are there for a reason to strengthen you in Christ. Why is it that, you know, when I was younger, I'd say, oh, man, I'm going to do this workout with the team. And I slave away and do all this stuff for the team. Why? Because there's a connection. I, I want to I get through it. And as a team, we win, right? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Back in the days of sports and all that. But God's... God's agenda is much, 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 much more important than my sports team. And so what, what does God want to accomplish in your life? Whether you're in the sports team or whether you're in school and, and in other things or whether you're in, here's your career and you're moving along in life. God's wanting to strengthen you in your faith so that you'll what? Endure. Keep the theme going. The perpetual theme. And you can call it, here's the perpetual song. The song of your life. What is it? What is it? (laughs) It was not too long ago that Sheila sang this song for us. I'm going to share some of the words of it. But Sheila Clifford sang this a while ago. Blessings. See, under this perpetual theme, I I would figure that I would be, um, you know, this would be about blessings. And my what's my definition of blessings? And what's your definition of blessings? You know, a lot of times our definition of blessing is when things are going smooth. Wow. Isn't this great? And answers to prayer. Oh, you know, great. And everything's going our way. But see, we realize we don't get that 
we got the balmy times, but we also have the, the barren times or the bleak times or the difficult times. And Laura's story in the song that Sheila had sung a few months ago. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole, all the lyrics, but here's the end of it. The end of it says, it, let this sink in. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not, this is not our home. It's not our home. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights, what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your, what? Your mercies in disguise. What a powerful message. And at the moment of the, the difficulties, we don't get it. We, we just, we don't quite get it at the moment. but I, I want this to be my theme. I want this to be your theme, that you, you grab a hold of it and that you get it. Can we answer all the questions? No, we can't. But we sure can come back to the truth of His mercy in my life. His blessings come through both. When we say, here's the perpetual theme. In balmy times, letter A, in letter B, in the difficult times, in the bad times. His blessings come through both. His blessings come through both. The perpetual theme is what we need in this broken and fallen world. Yet, I will praise Him. You have a personal testimony? Is there a, trans, a powerful transformation work going on in your life? Do you hold on to this perpetual theme that Christ has laid out for us? And number four, a practical target. Here's, here's a mark. It's this practical target that we follow in what Matthew 5, 7 says. Be merciful and you will what? Receive mercy. That is something that Jesus stated in the Sermon on the Mount. And all too often, listen, a lot of times we take that very verse, be merciful and you will receive mercy. We think that's, oh, there's the connection. I need to be merciful so that I will receive mercy. And it's more like an incentive. I, I should do more. 
I do more mercy work, so I'll get more mercy. No, that, and that's not the way it's to be understood. It's more like, here's the fact. Here's what Jesus has accomplished. And now because of what he's accomplished with mercy in my life, now I, I go on and I want to be a good Samaritan. Do you want to be a good Samaritan in that way? Because of the mercy. Not to gain more mercy. The other idea here under number four is found in James chapter two, verse 13. Another critical issue for us in understanding about this uh, domination of mercy in my life. James chapter two, verse 13. And here it says, Judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So the target in my life regarding God's mercy is that no triumph over what? Over judgment. Because of our, our efforts to climb up a ladder of success, spiritually speaking... You know, we contend to the the the, the um, what shows. If that's the case in our life, what really shows is that we're going to then be judgmental towards other people, because there's that tendency to think I've got to climb up the ladder to success with God. And he's saying that mercy would triumph over judgment. Um, do we understand more about this here? That this is what we needed from God and this is what is the basis of salvation? We already looked at that. And now, today, we only have today, what will be this response? Am I going to, you know, tend to lean towards being judgmental or towards mercy? Have you been forgiven by the king of the immense debt that you could never pay? Have you been? If you've been, then turn around and say, here's mercy, because I've been a recipient of God's mercy. And it's amazing. And so, do you have the marks of mercy? You have the marks of God's mercy in your life. Should that matter? Indeed. Because here's it, it goes back to what we've been talking about. The fact that the day spring arose. The day spring of what? Of God's mercy. He came, you know, we, we celebrate this at Christmas time. That Christ came. And here's, here's the abundance of mercy shown to us. And so we come to this closing moment here. What will it be in my life today? If you're here and you're not um, uh, a believer in Christ, you don't, um, you've not yet put your faith in Christ, that's what we're here about. 
That's what we want to see more and more. Where individuals recognize that He came as a baby, but now He's my King. He's my Lord. He's my Master. And that connection can be made in your life through faith in Christ. Through faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Dying there, paying your penalty. He paid your penalty that you could have never covered. And He did it. Because why? For God's glory and that love is shown to you. And out of His love and His goodness comes grace and mercy. And I want to be a man in that way. And I hope you want to you know, continue on in this way to show that you wear mercy well. Micah chapter 6. We wrap it up with that. What does He require from you? To love justice and to love mercy. To love justice and to love mercy. May we be a people that are growing in love with this amazing gift that He came. Bearing the mercy of God. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All right. As we uh, get ready to pack it up and head out for the morning here, I want to encourage you about tomorrow, not tomorrow, Sunday, next week, um, next week with the children's program. And, you know, it's a time where you, if you know of someone you want to invite, uh, it's a great time because um, children do a much better job of preaching they do. And they're going to preach to us next week. And I, I encourage you, look, look around this week. Think about it. Who can you invite to come to next Sunday's time? Okay. Then the following Sunday is Christmas Sunday, December 25. We're going to have a service. We considered just letting you come in your pajamas and your slippers. But we thought, no, nah, that's not going to work. You know, we thought we'd be in the fellowship hall with a little fireplace, you know, but... We will be here on Christmas Sunday morning and hope that you can come and join us. Uh, also remember, um, same thing goes with our, our candlelight service for the 24th, Saturday night. You know, it's um, typically a lot of folks come. And um, if that's the case, let me encourage you that come on a regular basis. Um, look for visitors to, you know, be able to be up front here. Okay, encourage them, you know, please take my seat here, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know how crowded it will truly be, but we've packed it out on, on Christmas Eve services and um, you will help immensely by how you kind of uh, favor them in that way. All right. And so uh, in, just remembering that that service for the, the candlelight service Saturday night at six o'clock. Uh, so uh, let's stand together and let's close in a word of prayer. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His mercy endures forever.
Give thanks to the God of heaven. His mercy endures forever. Lord, for those of us who have been recipients of your mercy, we are forever indebted. And Lord, I pray that here in this life, which is so short, so fleeting, that we would be doing well and growing in giving you thanks and praise with our very lives, that it would be the theme of our life, the ongoing theme of praising you, of fixing our eyes upon Jesus, of trusting you each step of the way, whether it's a balmy time or a a bad time. Because you you are God, because you are sovereign, because you are good, because you are full of mercy and grace. Help us, Lord, to be a people that truly uh, shine for Jesus Christ here in this uh, day and age when so much is going wrong, it seems like. So much is burdensome. Lord, may we shine for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the mercy that we've received in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.